What comes to mind when you hear the word rivalry, opposition, competition, jealousy? Is it between siblings, sports teams, countries, or even within you? Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church, and we are on a series of teachings we've titled Rivalry, in which we will take a look at some of these found in Scripture and see what we can learn from them for our own lives. How we doing, Journey? Are we doing all right? Are we doing all right? I, hey, I need your help here because this morning I got up on the stage to preach the morning service and I had already had three cups of coffee. So I warned them. I said, three cups of coffee and the Holy Spirit inside Rob Denton is a dangerous mixture. And let's just say it was. <laughs> okay? So uh, today's been a great day. And before I actually get into the message, I just want to say our God is amazing. Amen. And it truly is a year of amazement at West Valley Christian Church. I just was with the elders in a meeting for a couple hours just before the service. And I want to let you know that we have amazing elders at our church. You may not know that, but let's give it up to the Lord because they are so encouraging. They are so supportive, and they sacrifice, and I think we have a couple of them in here today, but anytime you see one of our elders, just please give them an encouragement, because we have an amazing uh, a, a group of elders that care, care a lot about you. We have a great staff that God has put together. We have great people, great people in all the services. Sometimes you only get to see this, but uh, I get to see all, all, I get to see three of the four services. I, I'm not in the Saturday night one, but boy, I tell you, God is doing some great things here. He is amazing us, amen? And sometimes I, I don't realize I get to see it all, but you guys don't get to, to hear and get to see, and, and all this is bragging on God right now. But just I was standing here, and as, as I actually was telling the elders this, it, it reminded me that West Valley is not about building a kingdom here. It's about making a, a, an impact, an eternal impact, wherever we're at. Amen? It's not about just getting a bunch of people here on a Sunday, but we want to be a people that love God and love people. And, and part of what's happened here, and you just don't know, but God is using this facility for so many things other than ourselves. About three weeks ago, the Los Angeles Police Department, the Topanga Division, came in here and filled this place up, and we allowed them to use this facility for, for our community. Isn't that awesome? And there's been such a great relationship being built between us and the police department, and, 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 and that is awesome. Last week, uh, we had um, a, a LA Unified School District have, has a school. It's a, it's a special needs school, and they asked, they wanted to do a prom for their kids. How cool is that for their 17, 18, 19, and 20-year-old students. And we said, you can have our place free of charge. And, and they were blown away by this. And last week, they had a prom for special needs kids, and they had a blast. Amen? Amen? And we're hoping to, 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 to kind of team up with them next year and help put that on for them. Uh, this Friday night, in our gym, you know how we get all fancy and we set it up with all the lights and the sound system and the stage? There was a church in our neighborhood that is celebrating 75 years of being a church. Isn't that awesome, church? A church that's celebrating 75 years in our community where so many churches have closed their doors. In that 75 years, God has kept the doors open. Well, they wanted to have a celebration and they had no place to have 400 people. We said, let 
you guys could use our facility. So I, I myself and Cynthia Wagner and her husband and my wife were at a celebration Friday night with 400 people from what used to be um, Reseda Baptist, but now it's Heart of the Valley. And we got to watch what God has been doing in that church for 75 years. Isn't that awesome, church? I love that we could be a place that God can continue to amaze us. And by the way, do you, did you know that we've had over $320,000 given for the upstairs in cash? Gosh, I mean, there are churches, I cannot even tell you how many pastors have called me and they've heard through the grapevine that and they are blown away. And there's one church in Las Vegas that is so moved by this church's faith and what they did. They've asked for the sermons, they've asked for the, 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 the pictures, the graphics, the whole thing that we did because they want to do it out there. Your faith has inspired the faith of other churches. I haven't even touched my sermon yet. But isn't that encouraging, church? that you're a part of something bigger than ourselves. God is using you in a mighty way. And I haven't even begun to scratch the surface on all the things that he's doing. Well, that leads us to the sermon. Brand new sermon series to kick off summer. It's summer. Actually, some of you know that. You walked in and you're like, it is stinking hot out there. But our series, just like the video said, and this right up here, this graphic, it's on rivalry. And there's all sorts of rivalries, right? I'm a Dodger fan. Did you know that? I'm a Dodger fan? Yeah, well, just in case you didn't know, I'm a Dodger fan. And, and we have a rivalry going. And, 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 and I, I won't even say the word, but do you guys know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Giants. I know, even you can't even say it, all right? But there's a rivalry there, right? And then if I said USC, what are you going to say after that? UCLA, okay? So I'm always putting God's team second, you know? But there's rivalries between countries. There's rivalries between siblings. Not in here, of course, right? But there's all sorts of rivalries. And the question is, for what? Is it for title? Is it for a prize? Is, is it for money? Is it for status? What is it? Well, we're going we're gonna to take a look at there's some rivalries in the Bible and, and, and what the Bible has to say about rivalries and how it applies to our life here in 2017. Are you ready for that? All right, come on, let's go. Father in heaven, thank you for this night. Thank you for gathering us together. I pray that uh, you would continue to work mightily. We thank you for this amazing worship band that has led us before your throne. We pray that you were encouraged by that, and, and we pray that you're encouraged by the fellowship that's happening right now. God, I am praying for your word to, to be powerful, uh, to, to impact our hearts and our minds to the place of, of literally changing us and transforming us. Help me, God, where I am weak, that you would be strong. May you be glorified in this message. We prepare our hearts to be ready to listen. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. You're not just going to let him die like that, are you? My shoulder, Angel. Don't listen to that guy. He's trying to lead you down the path of righteousness. I'm going to lead you down the path that rocks. I'll come off it. He'll come off it. Yeah. You. You. You, Infinity. Ah. Listen up, big guy. I got three good reasons why you should just walk away. Number one, look at that guy. He's got that sissy stringy music thing. We've been through this. 
It's a harp, and you know it. All right, that's a harp, and that's a dress. Robe. Raise a number two. Look what I can do. <laughs> what? What does that have to do with me? No, no. He's got a point. Listen, you guys. You're sort of confusing me, so, uh, be gone. Uh, or, uh, you know, however I get rid of you guys. That'll work. All right. That's for people like me that can't get the deep stuff, and so we need pictures. That picture depicts the greatest rivalry in the history of man. The longest rivalry in the history of man. And it's this. Good versus good versus evil, right? And it could be said this way. Right versus what? Right versus wrong. And, and, and you may not have thought of it this way. You've never, uh, you may never have looked at it this way. But this is the longest, greatest rivalry that's out there. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about good versus evil. We're going to talk about right versus wrong, however you want to put it. And so we're going to go right into God's word, and we're going to go to Genesis. And if you need a Bible, these fine gentlemen are going to make their way down. And I'm always trying to be helpful in helping you find the books of the Bible. So you go to the table of contents, and then the next book is Genesis. And if you get to Revelations, you've gotten way too far. Can I get an amen to that? All right, so we're going to hang out in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to take a look at, if you're taking notes, write this down, the rivalry. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, so who's he speaking to? Come on. He's speaking to who? He's speaking to the woman. Now, I just want to make sure we understand this, okay? Because this is going to be important. And by the way, don't blame me, okay? No hate mails, no texts, no, no Instagram posts about how evil Pastor Rob is. It's the Bible, and I'm just quoting it, all right? He said to the woman, did God really say? Now, come on. There it is right there. Evil has not changed its ways, has it? I mean, right out the gate, evil's saying, eh, did God really say that? And if he said it, did he really what? Did he really mean it? You must, he says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say. Now, who said it? God. So she understood. God said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the what? In the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will what? Or you're going to die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, church, you're taking notes. You've written, written down the rivalry. The rivalry is simply stated right here. It's between good and evil. And evil is no different in Genesis chapter 3 
than it is in 2017. Would you agree? Here, here's evil. The serpent is saying this. You know what's right, and you know what's wrong. It's kind of like the cartoon. Again, um, I couldn't find the classic Looney Tunes one, so I did ba- the second best I could with Disney. But you know the angel, the angel that sits on your shoulder that says what God wants you to do. And you know that angel over here that represents the devil and evil that's always saying, ah, yeah, you know what's the right thing to do, but come on, let's live it up and have some fun, right? Or in a more deceitful way, evil will say, you know, I know God said that, but he didn't really mean it. That's what he's doing right here in Genesis chapter 3, isn't he? Right, church? He says, he says, he says it's right there. And what evil is doing and what good is doing, the rivalry, what they're battling for is not a prize. They're not battling for a title. They're not battling for some territory. Well, in some ways they are because the territory is your heart. Good wants your heart and evil wants your heart. And the question for tonight is going to be who's winning? That's your question for your life. That's my question for my life. Who is winning in this rivalry? I, I, I thought this through a little bit, and as I was studying this text, I'm thinking about um, Paul. Paul in the New Testament. If you would go to the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you've got Acts, and then you've got the book Romans. And I want us to hang out there just for a second, because I think Paul gets this thing about the rivalry between good and evil, the, 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 and where we find ourselves in the middle, because we have free will. Genesis is a great book, but we're in Romans. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Tell me if you could identify with this. Now, this is probably one of the most confusing passages in all of Scripture to read. But it makes the most sense. That is weird, isn't it? You'll see what I mean when I read this, if I read it right. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Paul says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does, dwell, does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is a sin living in me that does it. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, with all of that do's and do's and wants and do's and wants and do's, do you understand what's being said? Loose translation. Why in the world do I know what the right thing to do is, and yet I keep doing the wrong thing? Can any of you relate to that? Or am I alone? 
Can anyone relate to that? Paul says it so well. He goes, I want to listen to the angel. I want to do what's right. And I think I'm even going to do what's right. But at the end of the day, I look at my choice and I've given into what is wrong. And I want to come alongside Paul and go, yes, someone else gets it. In church, isn't that frustrating? Come on. Isn't that frustrating to know what is the right thing to do and you don't do it? Kronk, isn't that his name? I, I said that in second service and I had some little seven-year-old go, yes, pastor. I'm like, yes. <laughs> he already Google fact-checked it. Kronk, I, I'm him. And, and I've got that angel on one side and I've got the devil on the other. I get that. And, and, and we can make it um, cartoonish and keep it there and laugh it off. But the truth is, it's really not funny, is it? Because I think all of us in this room can identify to a time when we knew what the right thing was to do. We knew what God wanted us to do. And we blew them off and went the wrong way. Well, if you're taking notes, the first thing you wrote down is the rivalry. The second thing that I want you to write down is results. And in this case, we're going to see the negative results of choosing wrong. What happens when we ignore what's right to do and we give in to the wrong thing? What happens when we ignore good and surrender to evil? Well, let's go to Genesis again, and we're going to look at chapter 3, verse 8. Actually, let's go to verse 6. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. By the way, I think this is critical right here. I think this helps us out. I think this helps identify why we will get tripped up. Right here, it says, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some, and she did what? She ate it. How many of us, how many of us have made the wrong choice because the other side of the fence looks so good? Because it looks so desirable. She also gave some to her husband. I didn't write that. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and guess what he did? He ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. And they, 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 they sewed fig leaves together because they went to Pinterest and found out the latest on cool fashion for nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now check this out. Now we're going to talk about the results of wrong choices. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they what? 
And they hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? If you're taking notes, write this underneath results. Hid from God or hide from God. What does that mean? I think all of us knows what's that, that, what that means. When we choose to neglect the good, when we choose to, to neglect the right, and we go into the evil and we go into the wrong, what happens, especially those of us that are Christians, that are Christ followers, that know better, all of a sudden what we want to do is not turn to God, we want to what? We want to run from God, and we want to run as far as we can. We're kind of like Jonah, right? God says, you go east, and Jonah went west. Or if God said, go west, Jonah went east. He went the opposite. He ran in disobedience. And whether it was, I've screwed up so bad that God hates me, or if it's the fact that, man, I screwed up so bad, I'm just going to go hide from God. Well, if you read the Bible that I have in my hand and the Bible that you have in your hand, you know if you read Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it's verse 11, it says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Do you know that you can't hide from God? Do you know that you can't, you can't go to a place where God's not going to be able to find you? You know, we used to play hide-and-go-seek in my house a lot when Easton was little, and it was really easy to hide from him. At nine years old, I can't hide from Easton in the house. And better yet, Easton's never been able to hide from me. And and we think we could play hide-and-go-seek with God. God knows where you're at. But here's what I want you to hear. God knows the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life, and he still loves you to death. Did you hear that? Because growing up in my experience, my experience, I'm not condemning the Catholic Church, I'm not making fun of the Catholic Church, but in my experience, I was taught to fear God and hide from him. Now, that wasn't the goal, but what I was taught is if you do bad, God is not happy with you and he's going to zap you. And so if I did bad, I wanted to run from God, not go to God. Why would I want to go to a place that I'm going to get zapped? And some of us, whether we've sat down and heard that from others or we've created that own theology in our lives, I want to tell you, I want to rock your world. I want to shake up your mind and and shake up your heart and tell you that no matter how much you've messed up, how many times you've chosen wrong over right, God still loves you. You were created in his image. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, knowing that you've made wrong choices. And he wants to turn that wrong into right. Not because he's a God that says, oh, I got all these rules and I want you to follow them. And if you don't follow them, you're, you're useless. The reason he tells us what's right is because that is what is good for us. The results of choosing wrong, as we read in Scripture right here, is one, you hide from God. Number two, Check this out. In verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was what? I heard you in the garden, and I was what? Adam says, I was afraid. Church, I get that. Fear is a response, isn't it? Now, I know you no one wants to raise their hand, and no one wants to admit that, 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 that they've ever done wrong, so just it's group therapy to listen to Pastor Rob, who's screwed up, all right? So thank you. Thank you for listening. But I think there might be one or two of you that get this. When we make the wrong choice, all of a sudden we're paralyzed by fear, aren't we? It's like I've screwed up so bad 
that it's paralyzed us, and it's like we've put our feet in wet cement, and we think it's going to dry, and we're stuck there forever. I want to tell you right now, the cement is not dried. You're not stuck there forever. You have free will. You have a choice, and you have a God that loves you so much that wants to pull you out of that wet cement. But fear will paralyze us. Fear will grip us and cause us not to lean into the Lord. Can you relate? Is that you right here, right now? Are you stressed out? Are you hopeless? Are you feeling like you're living in darkness? Are you feeling like God doesn't give a rip about you? Because you've made so many wrong choices, you're like, he doesn't care. Just put a big F on my forehead, call me a failure, and next. Well, if I read scripture, he comes alongside those real quick, doesn't he? And if I read scripture correctly, I think it's all the failures that he used. Rahab the prostitute, Saul, who's now Paul, David, who committed premeditated murder, adultery. The list goes on. I would say was clinically depressed at one point. Oh, you mean you could be depressed and God could still pull you out of that and use you? You better believe it. Whoever you are that is listening here tonight, God is not done with you. But remember, these are some of the results of choosing wrong, choosing evil. We hide from God. We hide in fear. We're paralyzed by it. And then check this out in verse 11. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said this because he's a man right? He's a man. He says, the woman, (laughs) the woman you put here with me. Now, God, let me remind you, I was doing just fine. It was me, the animals, the fruit, the garden, every one thing was good. You're the one that put me in a deep sleep. You're the one that took a rib out. You're the one that created this woman. And by the way, the first time I saw her, I thought, but God, God, if you didn't bring her into my life, I would not have eaten this. I was standing there as a bystander. I was innocent. I knew if I said no to the apple, she'd be offended. We'd have to go on the Dr. Phil show. Everything would be a mess. She'd be ruined. I'd be ruined. Right? I mean, this is what he, he's going, the woman you put in in, here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and she opened up my mouth and she shoved it in there and she made my jaws chew it. It's her fault. And man has blamed blaming woman all the way to 2017. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And you ladies are going. But what happens when we choose wrong? When we choose evil? We start making excuses. And we start blaming everybody. Because it couldn't possibly have been me. Right? Look at this passage. It gets better. God's like, all right, I'm tired of hearing from you, Adam, so I'm going to go to Eve. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent. (laughs) Right? The serpent, he deceived me, and I ate it. Again, all we're seeing is excuses and blame. This is what happens when we choose evil. This is what happens when we choose what's wrong. And by the way, in 2017, we've got a real problem when it comes to this. Let me get on my soapbox. You ready? 
I'm really, really, really part of this problem, by the way, too. We live in a culture that won't own it. And, 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 and you know, the first service I gave a name and then I got a little convicted of my wrong. And so I'm not going to give a name, but you know exactly who I'm talking about that decided it was great to take a picture of somebody like this. And then immediately, because of the public outlash, come out the next day and say, I am sorry, I was absolutely wrong. And then the next day, with a lawyer in 42 minutes of garbage, saying why she did it, because it's not her fault, and everybody else is to blame, and so I did this stupid thing, but I'm really not sorry, and then yada, 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 and a bunch of baloney comes out of the mouth. And please hear me, I'm not making a political statement, I'm making a human statement here. Because she is no different than us, that we can't just sit there and own it. You've done something right, step up and own it. And stop blaming everybody else and stop making excuses. And, and I have to wrestle with that because it's cool in our, today, in our culture today because of tolerance and, and, and this whole blame game and excuses and no, it can't be me. And God is sitting up there going, oh my gosh, I gave them free will and I think I made a mistake. Now, please don't hear me quoting what God is thinking, but if I were God, I would think that. It's like, man, I gave them free will and things were going fine. But man, they are playing the blame game. No one, nobody could just step up and say, you know what? I made that wrong decision because I have free will. No one forced that apple down my throat. I chose to take it. I chose to eat it, eat it and I'm wrong. How refreshing would that be, my friends? But instead, we got to blame culture, and we got to blame politics, and we got to blame Facebook, and we got to blame our neighbor, and we got to blame our attitude, and we got to blame everything because there's no way I could ever make a wrong decision. It's quiet. But, church, isn't that true? Isn't it true? I, I follow so many little league sports with my sons and, 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 you know, sports, and I mean, you know, a kid strikes out today, a kid can't just strike out because they struck out. It's always the umpire's fault, right? It's always because the helmet slipped over the eyes. It's always because I couldn't see the ball because the sun was over it. It's always all these, I mean, we just do it with everything. And I think as adults, can we just own it? Can we just own wrong decisions and move forward in the grace of God? And can we model that for our kids? Okay, I'm off that soapbox. What happens also is consequences to wrong choices. Did you know that? Again, with our entitlement, you know, many years ago, many, many years ago, we had a girl that had a crazy life and did all kinds of things with drugs and all things with gangs, and then we baptized her. We baptized her. I baptized her in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and get the Holy Spirit. Brand new person just on the right track, making great choices. But two weeks after being baptized, she walks in the Bible study and she's ticked off and she's upset. And she goes, I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, I have to, I, I'm going to prison. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, but I gave my life to Jesus. Like two weeks ago, I gave my life to Jesus. I've been living a good life. And I'm like, that's awesome. But you still have to deal with the consequences of what you did in society. Now, God could choose to, to push those aside and all that, but oftentimes, it's just, you just deal with it. You're still forgiven. God still loves you. His grace is still sufficient for you, but maybe you have to go spend some time in jail, and let's make that a missionary time. 
And we brought that girl in front of Journey, and we prayed for her. And I said to the church, guess what? They didn't know her backstory. I said, Natalie, I'm just going to say it. She went, Natalie's going to prison. And she's going as a missionary. The place went wild. (laughs) And she made an impact at that time. There's consequences. You know, my dad in my senior year was going to be my year to to be the stud of all studs in wrestling in my weight class, and I was all ready for it, and I was primed, and my dad pulled me aside, and some of you know this. This was right in 1986 when AIDS was just being found out about, and my dad says, you're not wrestling anymore. I said, Dad, you can't do that to me. He goes, son, we don't know where it's coming from. You're wrestling around with all these guys and sweating, and, and, and you might catch AIDS in that, and I was devastated. And I promised my dad I wouldn't wrestle, but guess what? When wrestling season came, I didn't pack my wrestling shoes, but I would sneak off to practice. My dad got a phone call two weeks into wrestling senior year. Your son's in the nurse's office. He, pulled, he, he walks in there. I had had my, because I didn't have wrestling shoes on, I had just regular tennis shoes. When someone did a throw on me, my feet were stuck in that rubber, but my whole body went, ripped my knee to shreds. My dad, to the day he died, never said a word about it. He walked into that office. He took me to the hospital. I had my surgeries. He took me to physical therapy. But I'll tell you, I've had two surgeries since. I still need a third one. It hurts. There's consequences to sin. Are you with me, church? There's so many things to share on this. But I want to I close off with this. If you read chapter 4, you're going to see a story of Cain and Abel. It's two brothers. And... Um, Things were going well, but then things turned quickly because of offerings. God was pleased with one. He wasn't pleased with the other. Then you look in verse 6. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must what? You must rule over it. Right and wrong. You have the free will. You have the choice. What are you going to choose? And God says, you better be careful, Cain, because sin is crouching at the door. And I think you could fast forward to 2017, and evil wants to win out in your life. Evil and wrong wants to take your heart and win. I have a lot of friends in this room that would say the grass is not greener on the other side. Amen? Some of you are going to have to learn the hard way. I get it. But I want to save you from learning the hard way. God's way is the right way. Period. You know, there was a bumper sticker many years ago that says, um, um, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's bad theology. Because what the bumper sticker really needs to say is this, God said it, that settles it. Whether I believe it or not doesn't make it true. God is right, and he wants us to make the right choices in life. And if we choose the wrong, we choose evil, you better be ready to walk through some of that, if not all of it. In Cain's situation, you could add to that list anger, You could add to that list um, jealousy and lying. That all happened here. And by the way, do you know what jealousy and anger and lying led to? Cain killed his brother Abel. But you know what's amazing about the story? 
with Adam and Eve and the story about Cain and Abel, God did not wipe away Adam and Eve. As a matter of fact, he clothed their shame, didn't he? He said there's consequences. Women, by the way, you're going to have pain and labor. That's in there. Men, you're going to toil and work hard, and you're going to have pain in your work. But I still got your back. Cain kills his brother Abel, and later on, you see that Cain's afraid. And God says, you know what? Cain, don't be afraid. I've got your back. It doesn't make sense in my world. It makes sense in God's world. Grace does not make sense on paper, does it? We are saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. Let me close with this, the last statement. The one is the rivalry. Two is the results. The third thing is this, always remember. Always remember. Always remember what? Number one, the rivalry. See, if we're not aware of the rivalry, then we're, we're not aware that someone's after our heart. And again, Ephesians talks about this. Pay attention. Pay attention. The battle is real. Know that there is a battle of good and evil going on in each and every one of us. Number two, probably the most important thing you're going to hear tonight, Jesus is enough. You see, you can't do this battle right without Jesus. I've tried it. How about you? And we just don't have the strength. We don't have the courage. We don't have the discipline. But you give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says your sins are forgiven, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That power, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the power that is available to you and I to help us make the right decision, even when it's not popular, even when it's hard, even when it flies in the face of the culture of the church. Because let's remember, the culture of the church or Christians don't define what's right. It's the Bible that does that. And if we try and line up with the the culture of the church, sometimes it leads us in the wrong way instead of the right way. Let's make sure we go right back to the book. Jesus is enough. That's why Paul says all authority. No, Jesus said that. He says, I could do all things through Christ who gives me what? Strength. 1 John 4 says, "Um, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The last point on the always remember, always remember the rivalry, always remember Jesus is enough. And lastly, always remember this, the grass is not greener on the other side. What you see to be pleasurable and desirable often is a trap that'll suck you in and it'll suck you in slowly. One little wrong choice leads to two little wrong choices, which leads to three little wrong choices, which leads to a habit, which eventually leads you away. Don't give up your relationship with Jesus. And by the way, don't give up the habit of being here in the purple chairs. You know, one thing that I've noticed over the years of 30 years of ministry, when you start missing one week and then you start missing two weeks, then you start missing three weeks, I could fill in the blank. I could fill in the blank. It's a series of wrong choices that have led you to different priorities. And that's what becomes your God instead of the God of what is right. I hope there's something for you to chew on. I hope you can walk out of here with something that will inspire you and make you think and maybe even change your life. If you're walking in what is right, stay there and know that the battle's real and he still wants to take you out. But if you're walking in what is wrong, let this be an encouragement to say, you know what, God's not done with me. He loves me and I'm gonna turn back to Jesus and let's do this thing called life right. Father in heaven, thank you. 
Thank you so much for not giving up on me. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for giving us hope when we were hopeless. Thank you for giving us help when we were helpless. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do in our lives. May these words stick and may they change us. In the powerful name of Jesus, all God's people say. You are king. We see you in the morning when the sun rises above. Thanks for listening. If you found this message helpful, why not share it with a friend or a family member? West Valley Christian Church is a community of faith, love, and hope. We would love for you to visit us at one of our four worship experiences. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org. Sunrises before us and want to sing your praises, want to sing your praises, God.